0: Welcome aboard and buckle up. You're now listening to Shift Happens with Jim Millaway. Now, let's dive in, go deep, share ideas, and take a good look at what we in the benefits industry can do to accelerate the shift to the member first economy. And now, live from Zero Studios, your host, the more infamous than famous, Jim Millaway.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Shift Happens with Jim Millaway. That's me. This podcast is an in-depth look at what we in the benefits industry can do to accelerate the shift to what we call the member-first economy, right? It's an evolved mindset using modern approaches, customer delight, data analytics, technology, and the best possible member experience ever to shift this industry where it needs to be. My name is Jim Millaway. I'm the CEO at Zero, and I'll be your host today. I'm really excited about our special guest, Kevin O'Brien who's the chief business development officer at Inovu. Kevin, welcome. Let's get this started. You know, I'd love I'd love it if you can tell me and the listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Inovu.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. And thanks, Jim, for having me. Uh, very exciting. So a uh, little bit about myself. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the chief business development officer at Inovu. So I kind of touch everything sales and service at, at our company and with our clients. Um my background is in healthcare consulting, so I've been working with large self-funded employers for over 15 years, and, and really helping them, you know, with that shift that you had mentioned and moving to away from kind of anecdotal consulting models into data-driven consulting models. And Anovu, at our core, you know, we are a healthcare analytics company, so we really specialize in pooling disparate silos of data across healthcare workers, compensation, and financial industry financial um, data into our platform to help employers understand what's really going on within their own population, where we can identify and move waste out of the healthcare and workers' compensation systems and how they can really evolve to that mindset you had mentioned of, of really employee delight and, and really you know minimizing healthcare exposure.
1: You know, that's interesting. And you talk, uh, I think you've, uh, I think you guys are focused on a problem that we see time and time again, right? So employers, And their broker consultants certainly aren't lacking for data, right? They've got data coming in from all kinds of different areas, right? From the health plan, from the PBM, right? From an onsite clinic, from, you know, you know, someone doing health screenings. And so we see all these beautiful reports, right? But very rarely do these reports tell anyone what to do, right? So we're getting all this data and we're getting no information. So... From your perspective and the perspective of Inovu, tell us why data alone isn't nearly enough, why these brokers, consultants, and employers need answers, and how you guys help deliver those answers.
0: Yeah, Jim, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think data for the sake of data is just interesting. Unless you're going to do something with it, it really doesn't bring a whole lot of value. So it it really does uh, come back to the answers and taking action. So at Inovu, Uh, we're coordinating all that data. So I think that's a big component of of how you get to answers, because when you have a siloed uh, view of the problem, you're not really being able to address it at its root cause. So by looking at healthcare workers' compensation and retirement data together, we can understand what's going on within a population and really provide that, that unique view, which leads to the answers. So we, we not only are a, a technology company, so at our core, we are a software as a service, but what we've also added is specialists that help broker consultants and employers look at the data and only bubble up the information that's pertinent. So really give them the, the problems that they're facing day in, day out, the problems that are driving their healthcare costs, the, the issues that they might have within their uh, performance network or or utilization issues. So by identifying the specific problem, it leads to the answers and the action.
1: Yeah, you know, everyone we talk to on this podcast and, and most of the people that we're lucky to work with, right? Where we all have this challenge of how we take data and turn it into insight. And then how do we push even further and how do we turn insight into suggested action, right? So what should people be doing? And then move to a place where there's actually measurable impact. So did the intervention, did the idea, did the solution make an impact? You guys see tons of data, I'm guessing. Uh, and, and I've got a question around that. For my sake and for the sake of the folks listening, tell me just how much we're talking about. I mean, how many employers and how many covered lives are you guys looking at on an ongoing basis?
0: So right now we're looking at over a thousand employers and roughly 2.5 million um, lives of data, but you know that because people use healthcare so frequently, that ends up to be billions and billions of lines of claims data. On top of that, we have other data sources that we use for benchmarking purposes that added about another 34 million lives. So, in terms of the volume of data that we're looking at, it's pretty vast. Uh, the, the the real trick to it though is is really sifting through that to get to the pertinent information and really drive that action. So. Um that's, that's the name of the game, and that's why you know, Novu is not just a software-as-a-service company. We also have what we call engagement, where we are actually meeting, looking at the data on behalf of our broker consultants and behalf of our employers and really leading them right to where that suggested action should be.
1: Okay. So there's no question you see a lot of data. Yeah. When you look at this, right, and, and people come to you because they need you to turn data into this suggested action. And a lot of times in our experience, employers, the brokers and consultants get fixated on a couple of areas, right? So they're looking at large claimants, right? A really small portion of the population that's driving a significant portion of the cost, but oftentimes they miss this drip, 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 right? So whether that be lab or advanced imaging. So when you look at this, what are some of the more surprising things from the employer and broker perspective that you've uncovered in this data? Yeah,
0: I think, you know, I always look at, you know, Volatility being one, um, healthcare is one of the few places where cost and quality do not always align. You know, the more you pay for a service, doesn't equate to a higher quality. So that that volatility across site and site of care and service uh, is always one that I gravitate to because I think, regardless of how many times you've seen that uh, opportunity, it, it's so apparent that there's so much waste and opportunity in that segment alone. That's always surprising to me. Um, another one that we just recently have come across uh, and we're looking at our data is uh, gastrointestinal uh, as a kind of leading indicator for a ton of comorbidities. We're looking at one group, uh, about 700 employees and a $3 million spend, excuse me, 127 employees had a gastrointestinal um, diagnosis. Their cost per, on average per member was $16,800. The other 530 or so members that didn't have any GI claim was only $1,300 a year. So those that had GI, the other comorbidities, the other utilization that went along with that was, you know, significantly higher. So in and of itself, wouldn't bubble to the top of any, you know, top five diagnosis or maybe any shock claim category, but definitely as a leading indicator, really interesting to look at um, how you would then go about solving, you know, those comorbidities and issues.
1: Do you, see, do you see the gastrointestinal, like when you're talking GI, I mean, is that common across a lot of employers or is this an aha moment on a specific population?
0: Uh, so we originally thought it was a, an aha moment on a specific, but then as we started to do more analysis on other groups, we found that it was actually a much larger issue. So that's one of the, the instances of being able to look at that data, replicate it over, you know, a thousand employers and realize, you know, this is really something bubbling under the surface um, that employers and, and broker consultants should look at because uh, it's not on and, you know, those reports you mentioned that are supposed to be the end all be all. It's not going to pop up on that report. But unless you're using the data in a, a real proactive way um, to get to these answers, you know you're not going to see that stuff.
1: You know, it's interesting when you talk about GI. So we look at a lot of data too, and what we're looking at are the places where we can impact both the cost, right? So where can we help employers make smarter buying decisions? coupled with like how do we make this a much better experience for the plan member. And when we look across our data sets, like some are surprising and some are not on the key places to focus, right? So musculoskeletal or orthopedic surgery is always up there. Right. We see wild price variation and quality variation. Uh we do see GI pretty frequently just looking at the pricing, right? So there's big price failure there. Uh, advanced imaging is always a monster. So how often do you guys see advanced imaging? So MRIs and CTs as a place where people have a lot of opportunity and, and, and what are they doing to go impact that?
0: Yeah, so I I mean, I don't want to overgeneralize, but it's an issue for almost every employer that we have data on. Um, just because employers haven't built their programs historically to help employees understand by walking in door A, that CT scan is $1,000, walking in door B, it's $200. And that, that volatility and that price is, is a problem, you know, across the country and, and, you know, because of that for every employer. So how people are solving that is, you know, using solutions like your guys in Xero, um, structuring plan designs differently, uh, using the data to incentivize and educate employees on those types of things. So it's really a combination of all of, all of those elements coming together and, and it, but I, I would say it really starts with the advisor, right? That advisor understanding the issue, and working proactively to um, identify the solution, understand the corporate philosophy, the employee makeup of different employers, and apply the solution that makes sense to, to to that solution.
1: It's interesting. So a lot of this, right, especially in imaging, sounds like when you say door A versus door B, this is like kind of what we call the just walk down the hall syndrome. Yep. It can get really expensive. So a lot of this for relatively easy stuff to change behavior, right? I don't think there's anyone that's in love with their imaging provider. A lot of this is just side of care, is it not? That's right.
0: It's it's really not, it's not, a, you know, I always going to go back to the, it's simple, not easy, right? The problem is simple to understand. It's not necessarily easy to fix. And that's why, you know, relying on different solutions like yours and others, you know, is critical to managing expense out of programs.
1: You know, you mentioned a couple of times, right, that at your core, you might be a technology company, but there's there's this mix of high tech, high touch where you've got he, real human beings on your team that are helping push that data story along to help us understand what we can do. So is Anovu a technology company or is it a consulting company? So
0: we are we're a technology company with a little practice management bent to it. So I'd say what we're doing is bringing that thought leadership and the experience of working with a thousand employers and you know advisors from across the country to help folks move from an anecdotal model to a data-driven model. What that really means is um, you know just applying the right. Everybody kind of deals with the same same issues of uh, everybody has a daily job, you know, and and not every employer focuses on healthcare as their primary function. Right? It's a it's a benefit that they're offering. But it really does need constant monitoring. It needs the technology and expertise to deliver those solutions. So um, that's really the practice management component that we can bring to the table uh, doing that day in, day out um, to help people solve those problems.
1: Gotcha. I love it. So how do we go from the anecdotal model to the data driven model? Because right? people historically, right, with the best of intentions have just made decisions based on their gut feel, haven't they?
0: That's right. Or, you know, what's worked with one employer, they try with other employers, even though that that employer might not have the same issue. So it really is about looking at the underlying data, getting rid of the things that really don't apply, focusing on the areas that are driving the waste or areas that you can drive opportunity of better health outcomes and putting the appropriate solutions in place. So if you think of a NOVU at our core, we're really the identification component, and then the measure, measurement component. And folks like yourself and the advisors, they're really the implementation and the fulfillment in between that. So, um, when we can get that right, we have huge impact on employers' bottom line. Gotcha.
1: Okay. You, you know, certainly. You know, I'd have to live on Mars to not see everything that's going on with healthcare in terms of the, the legislative uh, things, whether that's coming from state governments or local governments and increasingly from the federal government so you know the name of this podcast is shift happens what are some of the big legislative shifts that you see coming in the next six to 12 months and how scared should i be about all the things i don't know
0: so i think um we see momentum moving towards you know allowing employers to get access to more and more of their data which leads to the answers and the solutions we've been discussing so um there's been so you know the consolidation appropriations act that was passed in december 27th of 2020 that has a number of factors in there that still yet have to be worked out but it's clearly a move towards transparency the transparency act um, that was passed in november of 2020 that really uh, asked hospital providers to put a list of their services on their website in a machine readable format to help educate the public on you know some of those differences in costs that we've highlighted so um, that is just, I think, the tip of the iceberg. I think we'll start to see movement towards transparency. There seems to be a pretty good bipartisan commitment to to doing that and helping employers understand um, why healthcare has escalated at the rate it has. Um, I think I don't think you have to be scared of what we don't know because I think a lot of the legislation, you know, as it usually happens, it's law now, but we don't understand. We don't know the details, so that that still has yes to be worked out. But I think uh, if I look at all of the sum of those parts from a legislative standpoint, the biggest shift that I see happening is really um, putting that employer at the center of the ecosystem now, rather than a uh, constituent of. So the employer will have much more control of how to dictate TPA carrier, third-party resources to help them fulfill their fiduciary responsibility versus TPA and carriers kind of dictate how the health insurance will be delivered. So that would be kind of my, my, kind of the way I would read the tea leaves, but we'll have to see how that kind of unfolds.
1: So about some of those things, and you and I discussed these, you know, one-on-one before. So we see it time and time again, whether it's the employer or the broker consultant or even us internally, we don't have a problem getting data, but sometimes we have a problem getting the right data, right? So we might be missing this column, right? Or we might be missing this field, right? And it's just tough to piece things together. And so uh, and a lot of these are, are what the legislative would call gag clauses, right? So protection of what what's historically kind of been defined as proprietary information. So tell me, educate me and the folks a little bit more about what this is going to do to those gag clauses and how that changes that with the employer at the center of the ecosystem about the access to data. So I think
0: in, in a, a period of time will have to occur to probably have, let this play out, but Uh, and gag clauses have to be defined. But right now as it stands, employers are prohibited from entering into a gag clause with a carrier. Current contracts for data is grandfathered but any contracts moving forward, the employer will have have the right to not be limited in those data elements. And so it's interesting and it, it will free up some of those limitations that we deal with and employers deal with on a day in day out basis where They can always see two thirds of the the picture, but not, you know, maybe not this remaining third that where the problem may lie. So um, I think as those things get ironed out and the details get defined, um, we'll start to see a move towards more standardization, uh, more streamlined, um, more access, employers having more rights over their data um, and, and some of the, you know. I'm sure there will still be some definitions of proprietary things that the carriers will do around discounts and things that truly is proprietary. But I think at the end of the day, most employers are really just looking for what, what they pay at the end of the day. And, and, and the hope is that the remover of gag clauses gives them the control to do what they need to do with their information.
1: You know, we got a question from the audience. I think this is a good one. So you mentioned the grandfathering of existing contracts versus the new contracts that can't include those gag clauses. What about evergreen contracts that are just renewing year over year over year, or do we know?
0: I don't think we know yet. So I think those are things that you know we all will be watching and, and trying to understand how that works. Um, what I do know though is, um, you know, it's it's very clear that the employer is the fiduciary, and there's you know even even as earlier this week there was a some publication where a union in Massachusetts was uh, suing a carrier because that carrier did not allow them to carve out their pharmacy program at that size, even though they were self-funded and they're suing that carrier because that limited their ability to be a fiduciary, uh, and really offer the best program to their union members. So those types of things are going to have to play out before we really understand the full, uh, full picture of this, but it, you definitely see momentum
1: in that area. You know, let me ask you a question as we start to wrap this up. Uh, we we talk about this shift, right? Like these broad shifts, but I think the the critical shift that you guys help with is how do I move from that again? Your words, the anecdotal model to the data driven model. So for the people we have on the who who are listening now, and the people that are going to listen to us, you know, once we get the podcast uploaded, what's the biggest thing that people could do right now to take that first step towards moving towards the data driven model? I would say the biggest thing,
0: um, first, get the data, right? Even if there's some limitations that you have to deal with right now, having control of that information or having the, allowing the employer to control their own information um, is paramount. Without that, you're really still dealing with uh, limited access and really what third-party entities want you to see. So that control and that, that paradigm shift that you get by owning your own data is probably first and foremost. And then the second is really just taking action. So the data will lead you to the answers. And like, as we talked about, you know, imaging slated care, it's a problem for everybody. So like take the easy things, the next logical step and take action. And so if you, if you start doing that and following the, where the data leads you, I think that you'll start to see um, that will lead to some really amazing things for employers and ultimately the employees, because there's such a, a, a share of expense in that that category now. Um, and ultimately You know, that's really a Novo center point to remove waste and drive better health outcomes to help the financial stabilities of employers and employees in America. And I think that's where we we definitely spiritually align with zero on that
1: that issue. Yeah. Okay. before we wrap up, what didn't I ask you? Right. Like what's lost? Like what am I not thinking about? What are we what are the brokers and consultants and employers not thinking about? I mean, what's something that's important to you guys that you think we could probably pay more attention to? Um, So
0: from my standpoint, it really comes down to convergence. I think that, uh, you know, even when I grew up in the healthcare consulting industry, I was very segmented into the healthcare space. But in reality, uh, it's really all driven by the employee, all that risk. So healthcare workers' compensation and retirement all are directly related because the employee is making decisions in those three areas, and that has a compounding effect on the employer. So uh, as as folks get into the data uh, driven model, uh, I would just think you know there's definitely ways to expand and enrich what you're looking at to get a, a larger and larger view of the world and how it's impacting your clients and, and employers out there. So um, I would just say you know convergence and, and the ability to look at that holistically would be something that's probably still very new for a lot of folks, but but something that's definitely real and really really interesting.
1: Gotcha, I love it. Hey, Kevin, thanks so much for joining me. I hope, I hope this was useful, helpful, informative and fun for you and, and, and even more so for the folks listening in that are going to listen in the future. Uh, I appreciate it. Everybody else, hit me up on LinkedIn, Twitter. Same thing for Kevin. Uh, let us know what's on your mind. Uh, and together, let's get shift done. Thanks, guys.
0: We hope you've enjoyed Flying Zero Studios on our destination to shift happens with Jim Millaway. Be sure to subscribe and review our podcast and don't forget to join us for each and every episode as we accelerate the shift to the member first economy.